Hello everyone, I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Today we have Carol Garner-Houston on the show and she's going to be talking about preventing your child from falling behind during and after the quarantine. And we're going to be talking about learning, ADHD, and even regression. Some kids are falling behind, you know, because they're not in school. There's a, the parents are stressed. Maybe they're not getting enough attention, too much screen time. And there's a lot of different factors at play, including neurological, you know, issues. Maybe the, the child's brain isn't functioning properly, firing properly. And Carol is an expert at rewiring children's brains and stimulating them properly without pharmaceuticals. And she has spectacular results. So fantastic info on the show today. She's going to be talking about all the tools that she uses at home and that parents can use at home. She's got a great free PDF download that outlines all of the tools that she's using, which include essential oils, uh, music therapy, the Mozart effect, uh, alpha stem, uh, a lot of different tools that she's using to help to calm kids down, get them into a state where they can learn, and tips for, for dealing with kids that are either overstimulated or understimulated and, and the, the kind of the symptoms of both and how each of them require a different tool set. Really, really interesting show today. There's no denying that exposure to heavy metals is growing fast. Known poisons like mercury, arsenic, cadmium, lead, and thallium, which is 10 times more toxic than mercury, are increasingly in our foods, even in some organic vegetables. They're everywhere. They're in our air, our water, our beauty products, more sources than I can possibly list. And with some having much more dangerous toxin exposure than others, it's critical to understand which metals are in our bodies now and how these metals are negatively affecting our health. This is the first step on the journey to removing them and enjoying more vibrant health. This is why thousands have taken my heavy metals quiz and why nearly all were surprised by the results. This quiz is inspiring so many to finally take action to reclaim their health because as scary and hopeless as heavy metal toxicity seems to be, it is possible to get these metals out of the body and pave the way for a deeper transformation in the way that we look, how we perform, and how good that we feel each day. Taking this quiz is the first step. So click the button to get started now and see how much heavy metals affect our lives. So our guest, Carol Gardner-Houston, is an occupational therapist with 23 years of experience in treating neurological disorders without pharmaceuticals. She's the co-founder and chief medical officer of Brain Harmony, which specializes in applying the principles of neuroplasticity of the brain through the experienced hands of licensed occupational therapists. Her company provides life-changing interventions with a nationwide home program, which allows for the tools to be shipped to the home with an assigned therapist to coach the family through the program via telemedicine. Her outcomes are the best in the world, with clients gaining years worth of skills in several months' time frame. And she specializes in neurological disorders, including PTSD, anxiety, sensory and auditory processing issues, stress and sleep, 
speech and communication, behavior, autism spectrum disorders, attention and regulation, learning and dyslexia, TBI, stroke, and Parkinson's. You can learn more about Carol and her work at brainharmony.com. Carol, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. I'm looking forward to sharing this information with your listeners. Yeah, I wanted to have you come on. You've been on my Myers Detox podcast before, but you have a, a bunch of great information about preventing your child from falling behind during during quarantine, during and after quarantine. And we're going to be focusing in on learning ADHD and regression. And this is a concern a lot of parents have. As you know, my own daughter, Winter, she's 10, she's in fourth grade, and she just turned 10. And she is she's doing an hour of work, maybe, a, a day mm. uh, with her mm -hmm. school transferred to online. So I have a lot of concerns about her falling behind and too much mm. screen time. Um, so tell us, what are your whole thoughts on this, this quarantine and lockdown? Well, um, with so much of that in-school instruction canceled for the academic year and parents are, you know, scrambling to juggle this pre and post quarantine life with homeschooling, um, lots of people have those same concerns, concerned about vital stages of learning that are being missed or maybe not really taught very well and not embraced by the individual. Um, but what's nice is, is that today we're going to teach our listeners how to create um, the best environment and the best brain capability to learn while in this quarantine, which will also help you as you come out of the quarantine as well. Um, so much of the stress that parents are talking about is the homeschooling stress while trying to work. And I think when we go to approach trying to change this state, understanding what the stress is actually doing to our children's brain and neurological system can help us understand how to make it better. So let's look at that stress response. It is a very primitive and uh, purpose for survival. It's part of that autonomic nervous system, the things that you can't control, like your heart rate, or you don't usually control your heart rate or your breath rate or your elimination organs. Those kind of things happen automatically. When we are under stress, and the quarantine is a fantastic stressful event, long-term chronic stressful event, um, when we're under stress, our glands produce cortisol hormones, there can be a spike in blood sugar, um, heart rate speeds up so you can get more blood flow to the muscles, so you can recruit what you need to fight the bear or the uh, problem or you can run away or this math is, <laughs> right or math whatever it may be that invokes this t this physiological response which is what we know as the fight or flight response and unfortunately so many of us from the parents to the children are stuck in these fight or flight patterns and when that happens it limits the blood flow to the brain it limits the access to all of the um, areas required for good, efficient learning, for storing and retrieving, whether it's for written or verbal output. So what we're going to do, um, and if that stress continues to build um, and we don't have an, an outlet for it, um, we're seeing that some of these characteristics of the children are presenting like sensory processing disorders. Um, so parents are reporting more GI upset from our friends, poor sleep, for some friends, of course, an understandable increase in anxiety, just generalized. 
excessive energy that they're having a hard time um, honing in, poor emotional regulation. So maybe some more um, tantrums, more intense ones, more meltdowns, more defensive responses, like sensitivities to sounds with their hands over their ears, or they might be sensitive to touch and they withdraw when you try to snuggle and hug from them. Um, all of this rigidity and thinking, all of these things that lock up the brain. Um, it can also pull resources from the immune system because this, the brain and neurological system are working so hard through this stress. So my intent today is to help you to change that trajectory. Some children are even seeing regression in skills. And that's when you have a skill that you thought was already there for your child. Let's take potty training, for example. And then the, um, they may be having more potty accidents or the meltdowns are more intense or the sleep situation is just, they just um, can't get restorative sleep. And with that, we're going to just go ahead and figure out how to change this trajectory. And the key to doing that is looking at their observable behaviors as a reflection of the state of the brain. So you've heard me uh, talk about and reference the pyramid of learning a lot, and we're going to reference it here again um, on purpose to show you how we're going to change this stress fight or flight response and return to good quality learning for the brain. So here is our pyramid of learning and parents are usually coming looking for skills at the top of the pyramid in the higher cognitive centers. That's what we're talking about. Academic learning, um, activities of daily living, caring for themselves, their attention centers, their behavior, um, auditory processing and language skills. But all of those higher cognitive centers are dependent upon the solid foundation lower in the central nervous system. And so I'm going to teach you how to come in from a bottom-up approach and improve that learning profile um, for your children. So that'll be wonderful. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of uh, kids are not really stressed by themselves. You know, they don't, are <laughs> not naturally stressed out. Um, and they're, you know, my daughter is talking to her friends and chatting away and, you know, you know, playing video games and things like that. But it's when the parents are stressed, which yeah. a lot of us are on a pretty interesting emotional roller coaster right now, yes. the children reflect that. They feel it, they sense it, and they feel that in their body and they become, they're mirroring what the behavior that we have and the emotions we have. Absolutely. And I like what you brought up is about, you know, that they are reflecting the emotions that we have in us. And so one of the first things that we do whenever we go in to um, provide care and organization to a person, we first go in and provide and we use the calm method. Um, it's a four step process to maximize learning and organizing that central nervous system. And it's going to help us soothe that fight or flight like you're talking about. You can do that first by comforting the neurological system and set up safety cues in their environment. So exactly what you said is how you're speaking, how you hold your body, your facial expressions. Those are all safety cues for the children. And you can continue to reflect that, hey, we may be in this difficult circumstance, but we're going to get to work. We're going to work through it together and we'll come out better on the other side. So that first 
first stage of comforting the neurological system is so important. And I have a few things that you can do in your home to continue to set up more of those safety cues. So we just talked about some prosodic features of your voice and your facial expressions. Let's think about um, our auditory senses and light classical music, for example, to get started on your day. Specifically, we like Mozart for the Mozart effect. There's some great research about it having a great impact on uh, memory and learning. So that's a beautiful um, aspect to bring in to start your day. Another piece that we can look into is bringing some essential oils in there, right? We can um, illuminate some um, basic things that can help us stay engaged, like vetiver um, essential oils that's used for grounding, calming, and nervousness. Um, we have just recently embraced nutmeg, and we use that in our reflex integration protocols to support better sleep, promote digestion, and heart health. Right, and when you say those three things together, it does make you think of the parasympathetic nervous system, that opposing to the fight or flight, that which helps us stay calm and soothe, restorative sleep, a regular good homeostasis with a good heartbeat. And, um, all of this is uh, part of what we're doing, trying to change that trajectory. You can also think about some activities for them to do. In the clinic, for example, we have um, these sensory swings and we actually ship them into the homes as well. And there are these stretchy types of material and it can, you, uh, the friends can crawl in there and, and really get some good input. It squeezes the body very in utero, giving that neurological system input, input that they are safe before you start to learn. So those are great ideas. And like we had mentioned, we're, we're going to put that in a nice download um, PDF for you. So you can have these ideas that we're talking about today. You can print them out, put them on your refrigerator for easy reference. So make sure that you download it because it will have those pieces on there. That first step of calming and soothing the neurological system is really uh, where we need to go first. It, fantastic. Yeah, I love that. I use essential oils with my daughter and I got to get more on the music. I kind of do some, some like Rufus Del Sol <laughs> music, but I need to do some, like some Mozart. <laughs> well, and so that's what I'm glad you brought that up too. It's like, so which one do I use? We have these different ones that can provoke or uh, elicit a certain response in our friends who are listening. So the next stage of our process is once you have these comforting pieces is how do you activate their brain before you ask them to learn? So, um, Helping parents learn how to determine how to activate your child for the best state of learning is based upon their observable behavior. So in a sensory approach, there's basically two types of behaviors. There's the over-responsive behavior or the hyper-response. And then there is the under response or the hypo response. And depending upon where, what your child is presenting with will determine which type of music you would choose, which type of activity to layer in to help get the best input to the brain so they can get the most from their learning event. So let's, let's look into those. What um, does it mean? What does a child look like if they're in an over-responsive or hypersensitive state? So those friends are um, excessive movers. Um, they're the ones who like to climb the ceilings. They can have excessive talking, lots of pressure when they're speaking. 
taking. Um, they can withdraw from touch. They can be very sensitive to the touch. And a light touch like this that um, is soothing to me, if the child's in a stress state or has some other disorganization, a light touch like that can be received by the brain um, as noxious and on some level painful, and they withdraw. So of course, the, those are that hyperactive type of response. They're quick to hit their siblings. They're prone to tantrums, aggression, emotional distress, just an over-responsiveness to what's happening around them. Again, energy is lost trying to maintain homeostasis. So that's essentially giving you the idea of, of that type of presentation of a child's neurological system. Another one is considered the hypo, right? And those are the friends who are a little more on the draggy end. It's hard to get them up. They may be sleeping a lot. They may have poor body awareness. They may be clumsy. They may be the friends that when they're eating, they get food all over the face and they're talking to you and they just can't even register that that's still right there on their face, right? It gives you a clue that they're more that hypo-responsive. Um, it's important to understand this as a neurological state as opposed to a reflection of their character, for example. Like they, these types of friends can be considered lazy or a behavior problem when actually they're just children and their behavior is a reflection of the state of the brain. So here's an opportunity. I'm a, we, you can choose these exercises and activities to pull that person no matter where they're from whether they're too high or too low we can pull them into a just right state for learning so for the friends who are over responsive we do grounding activities we do heavy work and lifting um, it's we're referencing something called the Wilbarger protocol which some friends may be familiar with which is a brushing technique and joint compressions to all of the joints when I do this type of deep pressure input to the joints with our friends, I mean, we can sit in a beanbag chair and all I'm doing is going around their muscles doing, and, and joints doing the input, and it works like a sedative. It's, it's a fantastic experiment to try, um, and their head will start going this way and their eyes will get heavy, and I didn't give them a sedative. I didn't do anything like that. What I did was I fed their system, their neurological system, organizing grounding input that they so needed and they just they lean into it when you're doing it so things like deep pressure um, breathing exercises are also good for these friends rocking in a rocking chair slowly or over a therapy ball giving them an opportunity to pound play um, an appropriate outlet for some of that energy before you ask them to sit down to learn. That's a great way to get them to the just right level. For our hypo-responsive friends, the ones you're dragging trying to get to, to come on, we want to do more alerting type activities. So jumping on the trampoline, walking the dog, skipping, jumping jacks, contralateral jumps, using both sides of the body, activating both sides of the brain can really lift them and prepare them so you're not pulling at them when they're trying to learn. And active um, music, exciting music. I, I love hold tones. They have a thing called yes. um, Activa. 
And uh, it's like, you know, music that really has frequencies in it that gets you <laughs> excited and energetic. It's really neat. Yes. And it's free on YouTube. So that's how I learned about um, whole tones. And I would pull it up. It's free on YouTube. And I would set the, the tone in our clinic when the families were coming. And whole tones was so fantastic because it does do that frequency. And I'll be straightening up in the other room. And I just remember the, the feeling, the vibration of the music several rooms away from that whole tones. And I just thought it was, it's just such a fan. You can feel a shift in your body. So why not use this perspective that I'm sharing with you today to try and find what's working in your environment to help cue their, your child's system that they're comforted, comforted, safe. And now we can activate and get ready to learn. Yeah. And sound therapy is so powerful. You mentioned so many cool modalities, but sound therapy is great. I mean, just music is sound therapy. Mm -hmm. all, all music has frequencies. Mozart has frequencies in it. That's why we, we like yes. it. We're attracted to it. And, um, you know, and with my daughter, she tends to do things like she gets, if she's not doing something perfect, she gets overwhelmed and then wants to quit. And I'm not like that at all. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but I'm do, doing this thing called biofield tuning with her where I have like oh, this lovely. tuning fork and it helps to relax you. So whenever she's feeling like really overwhelmed, we'll go, you know, do this tuning fork and put it on her chest and it helps to kind of, uh, it's a sound therapy in a way and tunes up your body's energy field and really works. I love it. And you're building that brain body connection for her, which is also what I really like is you say, okay, yes, the stress or the, this is going to happen to us through our lives. But when it happens, re recognize what's happening in your body here. We can talk about it. You and I together here, we can try this process and it's getting her deeper in touch and as she begins to calm down she can feel her heart rate you can cue her to that it's like a little biofeedback session so um, I love that tool and all of this it's very exciting and information exchange age and we're just pulling all the greatest resources out there and and, and getting them to our friends who need it in the home and it's really making all the difference especially right now during this incredibly difficult unusual time. Yeah. Is any children that had some, some issues before learning or ADHD or what have you, it's all amplified right now. But what are some of the success stories that you've been having? You mentioned some of those when we were talking before recording that you're having great success with kids making a lot of progress during this lockdown. Yes. And um, so for the friends who got into our program right when the quarantine was started, um, they get these tools that we ship to their home. We connect them with a therapist. We help them open the box and get into their listening program. Making these changes to the neurological system that we talked about today, but on an incredibly deeper uh, level with the use of these uh, sound tools. And we had a family of five start right before the right before the news started to even talk about quarantine and they just jumped in with our program well, first we go in to comfort and soothe with vagal regulation we like to use a tool like the safe and sound protocol is a good one or we use the alpha stem to help soothe and comfort the system then we go in and we can get into training the brain and build the connections for function so this family of five came in and they started doing the work and by the middle of you know 
like about three weeks later, um, they are actually calling me saying, you're not, I don't understand how we're going to come out of this quarantine with more neurological organization than they had when they went in. And I'm talking about an older child who is incredibly car sick, who now can read in the car while um, in the passenger seat. We're talking about a child with emotional regulation issues that were just terrible and negative. And he was just so stuck in this um, very limited development. And we were able to break apart that. And he's now got so much more connections in the brain and this calm, soothing way about him um, that now he's able to see more of his aptitude. He's able to learn more and he's able to perform better in school. And his little brother, um, who was not interested in reading in pre-K, is now doing uh, kindergarten work and the family is just thrilled. So it's, it's absolutely possible. Change the trajectory you're in um, by knowing that you can change the brain and neurological system, that fight or flight state, by invoking some organizing input. And uh, this is how you get it done. And, and I love this type of conversation and talking about all these different tools that parents can use because too often you know, we, we have parents that have children that are having angry outbursts or don't have emotional control, um, have ADHD, and they take them to the doctor or they take them to a therapist and they're put on medications when that should not be a first choice or first line of, of, of tools that are used before you can do things to to rewire the brain like you're doing. It makes me so sad that so many millions of children are medicated and how, can you talk about that and how that could potentially um, negatively cause the brain to not form properly and how that's impacting, um, you know, brain formation? Yes, um, and, and thank you for bringing it up because it, it's a difficult circumstance. And unfortunately, there's just so many primary care physicians and so many people who don't know what to do with the children. And so when they um, verbalize their issues, the first thing they're offered is a pharmaceutical. Now there's a range now because so much time has gone on. There's a range of pharmaceuticals that they can provide, uh, but and some of them are not stimulants, but the majority of them are. And parents don't really understand that it, it what a stimulant does. And actually, when you say a stimulant, they may think, oh, a mild stimulant, but actually they're in the amphetamine type of arena. And so, even that, you say the words and they may not, they're like, well, I don't know, he's struggling so much, this may help. Oh, well, my doctor prescribed it. It must yes, be totally my, safe. <laughs> right. But those are essentially, medication is a compensatory strategy for a disorganized brain and neurological system. So you can put that in there. It may improve some things for a week or two. But in general, what we're finding is eventually um, the effects wear off. They go back to the doctor. The doctor says, let's do more. And then here, take this medication for the side effect of the more. And 
in the end, they have not changed the brain or neurological system. They've just set up a process where the person is dependent upon an amphetamine to get the right cognitive level. And you're right, that just doesn't make any logical sense. But that's why I'm so glad you invited me because when, I, when people hear these podcasts, they just get so excited because they didn't even know this was an option. And not only is it an option, we're finding it is the best outcomes that we've ever seen. And it's, we're, we're walking friends out of diagnoses and with their uh, partnership with their physician off of medications when applicable. Yeah. I mean, my concern is that taking these stimulants and, you know, ADHD medications and other things that essentially they stimulate the frontal cortex and stop these compulsive behaviors and outbursts and things like that. But it's creating a nation of meth addicts, essentially. Yes. I mean, you're, you're setting yes. children up to be addicts to stimulants yes. of all types. Yes. Um, and so uh, it's, it's incredibly concerning to me. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, um, and so many families, though, are um, beginning to pick their heads up, look around, collect more information, and are reaching out. Um, and this type of therapy that we do actually restores the central nervous system, builds connections where there aren't any. So the individual doesn't have to look for external factors, external people or a pharmaceutical to make those changes to maintain their state. We've organized the system and, and that's the difference. Yeah. So can you talk about any like positives that, that you see that are coming from the lockdown? Oh, yes, actually. Um, a, a few of them are there. You have to look for them because, you know, uh, none of us chose to be here. But now that we're here, um, we have lots of friends who are finding that because of the homeschooling, they have less anxiety in general. And so for those friends, when that happens for those friends, you that lets you know that the school environment, the brick and mortar and that routine that they were in that treadmill was adding such a layer of stress to their neurological system and they were just working real hard keep them going because that's what we're all laying them up to do um, but now since we've been able to um, get more more time and not as stressed with our schedules they're finding that um, they're enjoying this online learning even if it's not the most robust um, we're also finding people are very they can find uh, get some IEP modifications during this time as well. When you had a school system that maybe weren't listening to your child's needs in the brick and mortar, you just couldn't get anyone to pay attention or to make some changes to it. We're finding the families nationwide are finding that the school systems are a little more responsive these days. So you're saying, you had mentioned that your daughter only has like one hour of schoolwork to do. Well, some people are finding on, you know, on that part, and then there's all these others who may be overwhelmed by the quantity of work they're being asked to produce. So there's an opportunity to communicate with the school and get a modification to decrease that workload, especially if you have sensitivities to screen and it can provide eye strain and some children just when they get so worked up uh, it adds an additional layer of difficulty to ask them to be in front of a screen to learn so the schools are helping to modify how much time is spent behind the screen as well so they can print out things do paper copies and um, send those in can really help give that break away from the screen because golly aren't we having we're so much more screen time now with this more sedentary lifestyle with the us all being locked in, um, that really does have a negative impact on the neurological system. 
Yeah. And I was also concerned about, you know, the social aspect, not being in a social environment because going to school is very much about learning about life and interacting with people and how to get along and how to deal with rejection and all those things. And, you know, that's not, uh, not happening uh, when a child is at home, essentially being homeschooled. Do you see any negative impact from that? Well, um, I think it's going to be dependent on each person individually because say maybe you're isolated from others, but what if that gave you the opportunity to engage on a deeper level with your primary caregiver, right? And we, we just don't have any place to flee to anymore. And so we're able to get, we're finding this like a deeper intimacy and level as you, when you provide that comforting and soothing as a caregiver, you can facilitate and foster that. So you take an opportunity where maybe they're not able to visit with their friends as they'd like to, um, but now you can get more one-on-one as well. So um, that's been a, a wonderful asset. And then lots of parents are that they are making arrangements. They have we can visit friends, but stay outside, or they can play on the field, but we're staying different spaces away. So we're getting that engagement coming back, and it's coming in there. Um, but I do think of that social piece specifically in regards to the mask that is over their faces when we as a family and the children go out into that community again, right? Depending upon where you are in our area, we're already going to the grocery stores and, um, and we have, there's, there's more of us going and the shops are opening and more people are wearing masks. Well, as I'm walking down, I'm usually glancing at faces and, and, and get uh, these cues of safety and engagement from others. But instead, my vision is blurred and I'm searching to see, oh, is that person okay? I just find it's this natural um, response. And I look at their eyes. And so I found that when I'm walking through, I try to then catch eye contact, even with those masks on, and give them a smile with my eyes. Um, Those are all things to think about to embrace that social engagement and keep that connection going. Yeah, yeah, I know it's tough for kids when they're they're they look at faces and are looking yeah. for how to feel or should they be happy or sad or yeah. you know whatnot and they're not getting those cues. But yeah, I do love the fact that my daughter's home more. I do love that that we're interacting more and are getting closer. So that's really a wonderful benefit of uh, her being home. But it's sometimes you know it's you know I like her going to school too, so I can get do my adult time and my me time. So the grass is always greener, right? Uh, yeah. But Carol, any closing thoughts on uh, anything that maybe we haven't discussed so far? Well, essentially is that we can change the state that we're in. We can change the trajectory of this quarantine. We can change the trajectory of our development out of this circumstance by focusing on organizing the brain and feeding it what it needs, feed our system and look for this opportunity because we may need to um, shave off some excessive things about our lifestyle that um, aren't available anymore. We have to do them in different ways. And it may not feel good, but that resiliency and that ability to bend and adjust is going to serve you not only now, um, but as you go forward. Fantastic. Well, Carol, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Everyone stay safe and I'll talk to you next week. Mm